Welcome to the Interstate of Music podcast. And with me today, I've got Rock Klauser, the string brand manager for KHS. Welcome to the show, Rock. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. I mean, from birth on, I mean, Rock, you had to be in this industry. And everybody probably says this to you with the name Rock. I mean, what else are you going to be? Yeah, well, it, it served me well. I will say that uh, my my real name is R-O-C-K. Uh, my parents uh, decided that early on. And so it, it served me well in the industry. Uh, I, I tell people, you know, I was never going to be a swim instructor with a name like Rock. So, you know, so, <laughs> so it, it just kind of made sense that uh, I would go into music. And uh, uh, so, like I say, it, it's worked well for me. So when you talk about going to music, when you first started introducing yourself into music, was it of your own doing or was it, hey, you need to take lessons, you're going to go to class, you're going to learn music because it, it's good for the way that you think and this, it's good, you know, it's good to learn music. What was it for you when you first got involved in the early stages? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm an only child. So I, I started with the name Rock, and my parents took such a, a such heat for naming their son Rock that they actually said if we ever had another son, we were going to name him Roll, and we were going to spell it R-O-H-L. But uh, they, they never did, so I'm an only child. But um, uh, I think as an only child, uh, my my parents weren't really uh, involved in music per se. So a lot of times you get into music because your brothers or sisters sure. pulled you into it or somebody musically uh, in the family. Um, my parents weren't really, although my father did uh, play some ukulele and, and some harmonica, but it was just very uh, casual around the house. It wasn't sure. uh, on any musical a high level. Um, but I was one of those kids that, I don't know, around eight or nine, I said, uh, I, I want a guitar. And they're like, yeah, right, you want a guitar. And so I got it, and we basically put it under the bed, and I would pull it out, and I'd say, oh, this is a guitar, oh, this is a guitar. And I just kind of said, I want to learn how to play this thing. So they said, okay, well, if you're that interested, we, we will get lessons. And so I started on guitar lessons um, and uh, I, I had a lot of teachers. I would, I would get what I could from this teacher, go to the next teacher. And so it was a type of thing where I was driven, I guess, as an only child to find something that I, I could do kind of on my own and kind of challenge myself. So um, that that was kind of, of uh, I guess, the, the impetus for, for getting started. Um, but then I, I found that uh, it, it was a driver. It was, okay, now I'm, I need to get to this level and this level and this level, and how do I do that? So that's where I went from different teachers, and, and I did classical lessons. I did rock lessons. I did jazz lessons. And so um, it was, for me, just the variety of what that instrument could bring. So that, that's kind of how I, I got You yourself wanted to be well-rounded with that instrument. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. did you listen now, to music in a well-rounded way, or did you want to just learn how to play well-rounded? Like, what was the music that you were listening to that was inspiring you to, to want to learn different styles? 
Well, again, my I had no brothers or sisters to to pass down albums or anything, you know, so I kind of discovered things on my own. So um, my father was a a big band uh, fan. So it was uh, the the Benny Goodman, the you know, that type of a big swing orchestra stuff that I was hearing. So I'm like, oh, jazz is kind of neat, you know, and then, of course, you turn on the radio and I would hear the rock stations. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat, too. I, I want to know how to do that. Um, my dad also listened to some country. So it's like, I had that. So I had it, and it, although they weren't musicians, I had a very eclectic, um, kind of, uh, music that, that inspired me to, to get started. So, um, I did that and, uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I took, uh, for a couple of years and you ask, you know, uh, of like in school or, or how did I do it? I was doing it outside of school first, obviously. And, um, then when it came time to, uh, go to school and pick your instrument, we went for that music night and I took my guitar in and they said, what are you going to play? And I said, guitar. And then, well, we don't have guitar parts. It's like, Isn't well, the craziest yeah. thing that it was like, just not part of the selection. Yet yeah. It's one of those mainstays for every genre of music, but they just never included it in the mix. Right. Right. So but I said, well, what are my choices? Because, you know, I read music, I play music, I enjoy music, I want to be part of this. And at that time, they gave me three choices. They said, you can play tuba, you can play drums, or you can play that over there. That And I said, what's that? And they said, an upright bass. And I wasn't thrilled with either of those choices, but I said, I'll take the upright bass. I guess it looks like a big guitar. Right. So... Uh, so my whole then school angle was upright bass. So very early on, I had this kind of duality of, I had my rock and jazz stuff over here that I was learning, but then I also had the orchestral side and, and that side with the, my upright bass. Did so you, did you literally uh, have, did you just use the one that the school kept there or did you rent or buy your own that you had to lug back and forth? Um, well, I did have one at school that was assigned to me. And then uh, because there were so few bass players, they assigned one that I could take home. So yeah. so I had one at both places. But uh, um, uh, yeah, early on, uh, I knew I was going to continue with bass, though, because it was a, a whole different way of thinking. It was fretless. It was, you know, but um, uh, I didn't know how I was going to mix it. But uh, I didn't say no very often. You know, if, if it was classical, I'll do that. If it's jazz, I'll do that that. Um, and then, um, well, I, I guess I had played guitar for about two years um, and, and was getting fairly uh, okay for my age, I guess. And in school, I was in a softball game and a ground ball hit my, my index finger, shattered it. And it, it, I had to get an operation on it uh, at all of this. And like, oh no, what, what's going to happen with, with this? And so I um, uh, went to the doctor and it had to have pins put in and everything. And, and I said, well, I play guitar. What, what's going to happen? I play upright bass. And, and he said, well, you can forget all of that. He's like, you, you, this, this finger won't work. It, it's going to be messed up the rest of your life. Just, just forget that. And I was crushed. Oh, yeah. And so I went home with my finger, you know, in this big bandage and pins in it. And I started looking around, what am I going to do? And I started seeing, um, thinking, wait, there's this thing called slide. 
And so I like worst case scenario, I can put a slide on and I can play slide. So then I was motivated to do slide. And so um, uh, I was playing slide before my finger was out of stitches uh, with that. I was just like, I've got to learn this. I've got to learn this. So with a big wrapped up finger, I was trying to play slide. And um, so to this day, I, I've, I've, more of an accomplished slide player than they ever thought I would be. So I don't know whether to thank that doctor for encouraging me to, um, you know, to, to never pushing me to do, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Doing something else or, uh, you know, the, if I would have taken his advice and never tried again, you know, it would have affected my whole life. So no I guess doubt. the message there passion, is, I mean, your passion, you know, and with, with the amount of passion that you're already just share that I'm learning about you and that you're sharing about how much you love the instrument and learning the different aspects and genres. Did you, at, at any point, did you think to yourself, yeah, this school thing's cool, but that's not my life. That's not gonna be what I do. That's not my career path. This guitar, this instrument or an instrument, music is going to be where I go. Or did you say, all right, school, 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 this is always off to the side. Where, were, where was your head and when did it kind of turn into something? I, I, I actually did both uh, I, because I said, how far can the school thing go? So, you know, I was all city and all state and, and all of this. But I also found out that the, the uh, city uh, version of this had orchestral parts for guitar. So I was the guy that, that did some of it on guitar and some of it in this. I joined the, you know, that those different levels of jazz band then. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go as far as I can that way. But also for, um, I, I was that kid that was in all of the school stuff, but I had my rock band on the side too. So on the weekend, you know, we would do this. And I was playing, you know, proms and, and homecoming dances and things like that. And but then I would go participate in the school functions, too. So I, I kind of did both all the way through to see how far could, could it go. So as a result of that, I got a lot of, of different experience, a lot of varied experience. And as we know, some people really focus on one style of music and then that's the only lane they take. It's kind of limiting, but I guess it works for some. But for me, I found variety is where I worked, you know. So I, I might do a musical one night. I'll be playing my rock band another night. Uh, I'll, I'll be on a, a recording another night. It, it's just where, whatever they needed. So I started, because of that, picking up other instruments. And it's like, okay, well, if I can do guitar and I can do upright bass, what's related to that? So then I started kind of trying to expand. Well, and so many so many people no matter whether they're kids just getting into it and get frustrated that they're not learning the songs that they listen to fast enough and they're not good enough yet in their own mind and they just give up on it or you know adulthood where they they just don't put the practice they don't set the time up and they they lose the the drive so many people buy an instrument and it sits there unplayed for 90 percent of their life and i think in listening to you because you had so many different things keeping that spark in you to learn new things helped you stay in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
my, my parents were very supportive. I mean, my, my house was the one with the garage that was full of equipment, you know, whatever we wanted to do that, that that's cool. You're spending your time rehearsing. That's good. Uh, I had one whole room in our house, uh, basically a living room where I had recordings, you know, where I was trying to do my own stuff as an only child, you know, my own tracks and, and bouncing it off onto other things. So, um, anything like that, they were very supportive. Um, in fact, my mom was driving home from work one night and she heard uh, Eat a Peach album playing on the, on the radio. She brought it home. She said, I don't know what this is. I, I heard it. I stopped at the record store. I bought it for you. I think it's something you would like. So needless to say, that was very expiring for my slide uh, okay. um, work there. So when did it turn into going from musician, playing, being in a band, to the career aspect of working for a manufacturer or did it start working at a music store? Where did it turn into making money not playing the instrument? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it basically started in high school because I had so many different styles that I could play. People would say, hey, would you teach me how to do that? Would you teach me how? I've got a brother that wants to, I've got a this. So basically, you know, people get jobs in high school. My job was on my way home. I would stop at their house and teach this guitar lesson, then stop at this house and teach another guitar lesson. And so I basically had my own kind of cottage business teaching lessons on the way home from school. And so um, uh, I kind of did that for several years and decided I wanted to go into to college, but maybe not necessarily focus strictly on, um, on, on music, uh, which is a kind of a different choice. But it's like, what would be related, but yet not be identical to, to the music path? So I went in for uh, radio TV broadcasting, thinking there's some music possibilities well, there. Aim for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, I'm hiring you name sight unseen. It's like this, this dude's got a great name. Hire him. <laughs> Although I was turned down for a country station, a radio station that I applied for because they said, I can't have a guy named rock, rock working at my, you. yeah. But, but in any case, uh, so yeah, I, uh, um, started teaching a lot, but when I went into radio TV broadcasting, um, and I, I minored in German and I uh, was sitting in German class one day talking about playing guitar and someone said, hey, you, you play guitar? My dad owns a music store. Would you come teach for us? And so just by that, that random kind of connection, I said, yeah, sure. That beats driving home and, and teaching all the way. I'll just go to your location. So I did that for uh, a few years. Um, uh, I taught basically... Uh, 50 lessons a week for for years i mean my schedule was was packed um uh, as well as uh, going to to college and the uh, um whole aspect of that was as you said i wanted to teach people what they wanted out of the instrument because i knew it was was such a variety and there were so many teachers that there's one way to learn guitar and and i don't believe that i i think there's so many ways to go about it and different people want different things so my whole thing was to tailor it to what you want now that doesn't mean that we're only going to play songs um and and i used to present it that it's kind of like a weightlifter they want to lift the heaviest weight possible but they got to start with smaller weights to get there so everything that we do is going to be a, a building block 
So, right way to put it. so when when you so you're str the string manager in it, you know just yeah. to kind of bulk it into a a title of yeah. some sort here. What is that? What does that mean at KHS? I mean, um, what are the brands and what's the focus and where do you step in on some of the um, new products, supporting the existing lines and mm -hmm. getting out and figuring out how to get consumers to know more about what the products are that you guys are part of? Yeah, I, I get asked a lot. A lot. Uh, what is a string manager? What What do you do? And the closest thing that I can, uh, a lot of people say, how do I get into that? What What do I? Do? I like to play guitar. I like to play, you know, whatever yep. instrument. And, and the the crazy answer is, there's no one place that you can go to learn to be a string product manager or, you know, whatever. We just don't have that. And it's such an important uh, uh, situation because there are retailers and there are players and it, the, the product manager, designer, brand manager, whatever, is kind of the middle guy that decides what those instruments are going to be. So um, the closest thing I can say is it's kind of like a car designer or, or a car um, uh, um, person that, that every year they're not designing a completely different Mustang right. or, or whatever, right. but it's that person that decides what it's going to look like that year and what appointments are current, what appointments uh, are different, what makes it look retro, what makes it look new, um, and what's well, the market you've got, you've need. You've got styles and trends you yes. know, of just a, a look and feel, but then you've got functionality aspects that, you know, it's things are always getting better, stronger yeah. this, better feel with that. And you, you're, you're taking the new technologies, but yes. also taking style and trend into, into account as well. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of things all together yeah. because it's not just a new paint color or, right. you know, that. It's, it's all of the technology, as you said, but, and I personally, on my designs, I, I want to get something more out of it. And my aspect is not my kind of my aesthetic is not what makes it look different. I want to know what makes it sound different, what makes it feel different. Um, and I kind of say, as, as the artist has a blank canvas, they need the right tools to get that, that out of uh, that image out of what they see in their mind. So if I can give them a tool uh, for, um, you know, this particular painting or this particular musical painting that they're trying to do. So what is going to do that? Does this give it a dark tone? Does this give it a brighter tone? And so you have to kind of think of if I was an artist, what would I want to, to pull out of this? And different people want different things for the, for their music. So well, that, that's and, what I try you know, to give if, them. If an artist has, has two albums out or three albums out or four songs out, and they're, they're always playing the same instrument, always putting out that same sound, what is an enhancement that's going to change that next song or change that next sound or tone of an album because of a different instrument that they brought into the mix? So because it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like that car industry, we'll bring back the car industry concept. What makes somebody want to drive a car for 20,000 miles and trade it in to get the new version? There has yeah. to be something that makes mm -hmm. them want it. 
and it's different enough for them to invest in that. Because if the music industry just stopped and said, here's a guitar, and it plays, and it plays really well, and it's got great sound, you can do these things with it, and they stopped yeah. there, there wouldn't be that many, there wouldn't be anything else to do. Everybody would be yeah. done already. Um, so yeah. there's also that, hey, you've, you're a manufacturer, you're, you're a brand, you've got to also go out and entice and tease musicians <laughs> into wanting more because mm -hmm. they like to collect and they like to bring in new sounds and new things to their art and their craft. And that's, that's your responsibility. It's like, yes. what am I going to bring that's a useful tool to enhance what they already have for a skill that brings them someplace different? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like being a me too, you know, because there are so many of those out there right. that their whole th the, as design is a copy of a copy. Right. And it's like there, there's so many of those. So uh, to me, I think the, the successful uh, brands that are out there, they have something that they stand for. And, and you, whether it's bright or dark or, or loud or mean or happy or whatever it is, the brand has to stand for something. And, and by the same token, a brand can't stand for everything. You can't be all things to all people. So, um, and, and I've had a, a really varied experience. I, I designed uh, heavy metal guitars for 17 years. Um, for a different company. And then I completely changed and went to classical music and did violins, violas, cellos, and upright basses. So I've also done uh, um, the uh, banjos and mandolins and folk instruments like that. And most recently um, here at KHS, I do uh, the, the bajo quintos, uh, vihuelas, requintos, uh, guitarons, the, the Latin aspect instruments as well as ukuleles. So to say all of those kind of things came from, from my head, I didn't just make them all like I would want to play. I had to put that hat on and say, okay, what does this heavy metal artist want? What does this country artist want? What does this jazz artist want? Whatever. Um, and, and I think it's very important that a, the brand stands for something. And, and as I say, it can't be everything. So you have to pick something and go with it. So. I love that. What are some of the brands right now that you're responsible for? And what are some of the new things or, or things to take a look at that you're really proud of and some of the things that are making you unique? Mm -hmm. Well, um, well, one aspect is uh, uh, ukuleles and Lanakai ukuleles is, is one of the brands that I'm responsible for. Um, and as you were talking about what makes it different, uh, currently there's over 200 brands in the United States of ukuleles. Yeah. They are everywhere. everywhere. And so when I joined the company in 2012, um, they they basically said, okay, um, do away with, with all of the past. We, we know your past. So just do away with everything and make us competitive in this market. <laughs> so no, no problem, you know, 200 brands. Uh, <laughs> should yep. be a piece of cake but yep. uh, um, but it, it's fun because that's that's where the challenge comes to okay what can i do and really no one thing that i could possibly do that would make it totally different but what i did was was called the lanakai 10 or i call it the lanakai 10 and it's it's 10 aspects of of what i brought to lanakai to make it slightly different as a collection for players out there. And so um, I, I won't take you through all 10, but just basically getting the most out of what a 
player needs out of it because the ukulele market as you probably well know has been surging for years and yeah yeah, so my thought is now with that surge everybody doesn't want an entry-level piece anymore there are people that have gone beyond that so they know what they want they know what they're looking for but who's providing that next level for them? And so that that's what I tried to, to pull into it. So um, things like uh, what, what I pulled into it were things like Fishman Pickups, because that's a reputable brand name that, that people know. Uh, GraphTech Nuts and Saddles. Yes, I can do plastic nuts and saddles, but the GraphTech actually gives a response to the string, and that's important. Um, things like the open back tuners. Uh, the, a lot of the headstocks are very heavy, and all this so put the light tuner on it because they're nylon strings they don't need the heavy gear ratio or anything like that 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 you get with the the closed tuners so in every aspect you know from the top down what could i do here what could i do here um and um there's i mean simple things that um the the width of the neck is slightly wider by just a few millimeters but what that does is for the more advanced player it just feels different and we won't go into the millimeters but it just for something just grabbing the instrument it feels different and there's a reason for that but i don't care if the artist cares about that it's just that it's a it's it there's a reason oh wow it feels different it feels good um and oh it has this and it sounds good oh and it, it's reliable and to to basically be a player's instrument you know somebody that that knows what they're doing now that's not to say uh um and our, our slogan is real mu- real ukuleles for real musicians and that doesn't mean you can't be a musician on your back porch right. it's not pro musician it means if you're serious about the instrument get a serious instrument, you know? So um, that, that's kind of the, the aspect there. Rock, I can't thank you enough for sharing your journey, your story, your experience, your expertise. And mm-hmm. thank you for bringing everything you've gone through and everything that you know to reality for the musicians that are out there and thinking more of a musician's first approach versus a, just a manufacturer's, how can we make money on a product approach? And I think, yeah. and that stands, that stands tall for you. It stands tall for KHS. And uh, thank you for sharing everything. It's been great to get to know you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do so. And uh, I'm uh, just excited to be in the industry. Yeah, hopefully you, you see my passion yeah. for music itself. And, and I encourage anybody that, that, that isn't part of music, they should be because as you said, you, you just think differently. Some people use it as a stress reliever. Some people use it as a, a money generator, uh, whatever your, your side of it is, there's something positive for you out of music. And that, that's been my, my mantra all along. Well, this has been Rock Foster. This is the Interstate of Music Podcast. I'm Jeff Peterson. Peterson out. Peterson out.